How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law, Thomas McCoy, and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. <laughs> That's what we're talking about live in studio. Live in studio. This is not Memorex, no, ladies this, and gentlemen. It's really us live in studio. We haven't been live. Well, we've been live, but not in studio for a while. And part of the reason we're here is because a lot of our town has no electricity. My house doesn't. Does yours? My house doesn't. Isn't it the strangest thing, though, not having electricity? I mean, we're so used to it. Very primitive feeling. I must say, I had a lovely candlelight dinner in front of the fireplace with Carol last night, though. Just the two of us. It was quite dark in the rest of the house. The dogs were quiet. It was delightful. And no Wi-Fi. No internet. Yeah. No nothing. No phones. And the, and the cellular was pretty bad yesterday, too. Yeah. Did you notice that? Absolutely. Absolutely. The towers must have been jammed because I was having trouble even communicating with people at all. Yeah. yeah. So our office was down for two full business days. Whoa. Mm. How does Life that affect lied. business? It makes you realize uh, the creature comforts and you have to prepare for uh, the lack thereof. And, you know, COVID did teach us some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had purchased a bunch of those portable Wi-Fis, the mm-hmm. MiFi, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, hmm. coincidentally, on Tuesday, I was sitting with my bookkeeper, and she was saying, "Should we be sending these back? Like nobody's using them." And I said, "You know what? Let's let's wait." And we were totally needed them the ne- very next day. Wow! The very next day, so we had set oh. up these little mini Wi-Fi stations to to operate, but we were very limited, and and my team again. You know, just drove right through. You know, they huddled up, got it done, figured out. Thankfully, we're super proactive. Right? Yes. So the files that were and reactive. This is better. Mark Styles, absolutely. <laughs> and they were living it. They truly were living it because all of the documents that we would have needed to print without printing capabilities were already printed the day before. Nice. So it really kind of fell into place. But what a amazing team I have that we were able to do that. And I want to also share something um, about a counterparty, right? So there's some folks would call them competitors in business, right? They do what you do and they're sometimes competing for the same business. But I have some really good relationships and I called one of them up and I said, hey, you're up in Braintree. You're fully lit up, right? Yep. Yep. I need to come up and use your scanner and your copier and print out some stuff and come when, what time? Here's who you'll meet. Here's how you'll do it. And and it's just that kind of community that makes you feel okay. Yeah. You know? And dri- just driving around with the chaos of the roads down and the, the no street lights, mm-hmm. right? And everybody's kind of like, am I going to try to get over on this person or am I going to wait and let them go first? Because the red lights become a four-way stop sign. Exactly basically, right. right. So it's like, how do you play this? Are yep. you going to wait your turn or are you going to aggressively blow through and and it was it was really interesting to watch how people in these times they they get together and they take care of one another yep they do it is true those those 
stop signs that aren't stop signs and people just are polite. I mean, there's there's a timing to it. Yeah. You know, there's a rhythm. There's a rhythm to it. Um, it's nice to see, isn't it? Yeah. It's nice to see. We have uh, remarkable brains as human beings. We have remarkable feelings and emotions and memories. And in many ways, this is a great segue in for our guest tonight. I hope that she is on the air. And before we get there, we are going to introduce our guest. And Tom will do the honors. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Liz Keller Whitehurst is the author of the forthcoming debut novel, Messenger, and author slash creator of the serial podcast Messenger, a novel in 16 episodes, which she launched in 2020. Her short stories have appeared in many literary magazines and journals, including Gargoyle, The Portland Review, Five Fingers Review, and Nimrod International Journal. She was a finalist in Nimrod International Journal's short story competition. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Liz. Are you there? I'm right here, Joe, and I just want to thank you so much for having me. And, guys, I feel really bad. I'm sitting here with the lights on <laughs> <laughs> in Virginia. But I know what it's like. We once, um, in one of our hurricanes in Virginia back in the early 2000s, didn't have power for two weeks. Ooh. So I feel you. I know how it feels, and it's, it's tough. It's that um, reaction of people to pull together as a community and to, you know, feel that connectedness um, by sharing the common experience of no power mm. is, is, is powerful. Uh, uh, I agree. Oh, I like the pun. Yeah, that's a good I one. I like it. Nice, nice. It's, a, it's electrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, Not to be updone. Thanks. And then what's also great about it is WATD, which is our station right here in Marshfield, Massachusetts, has really stayed on the air and given information as much as they can uh, to people who have, I guess, battery-powered radios or they go in their car and they listen. But two weeks without power, how did you manage food? What happened to your freezer? Well, we were... Um there you in parts of the town you could get food but we were you know heating water and making coffee on our outdoor grill Mm. happily it wasn't that cold it happened um maybe even a little earlier in october um than now so um it was we weren't you know super super cold but it was a long time that is a long time Um, we without power i told my husband uh, because we didn't have, we don't have generators. Uh, because you know we don't have that problem that much. Maybe for at, for a night or several hours, but not for two weeks. So it had gotten to the point where I said, you know, either come home with a generator or just don't come home. <laughs> and uh, then the lights came back on. So, that, <laughs> so I have so, a question for um, you. It was an experience. Yes. Did you? then buy a generator we actually didn't (laughs) (laughs) and i do this every time too like what you know for the for the two or three times that this happens every couple of years you know but then when it's happening you're like why did i not buy Uh, the generator yeah no we were not very smart but 
um, it never happened again. Right. Yep. Happily. That's that's the beauty of nature. Sometimes things happen, and sometimes they never happen again. But I'm really glad that the lights came on so your husband could come home. <laughs> Me was, too. So is good. he. That was good. Um, so you're out there in Virginia, and I'm, I'm just reading through some of the other stuff about you. Um, nonprofit freelance writing, but... This sounds really fascinating. The last teaching post was co-leading a memoir writing class at the city jail. What was that? Yeah. That was really a fascinating experience. I had a very good friend who founded a nonprofit called Richmond Storyhouse, and she actually is the narrator of my podcast for Messenger. But anyway, she invited me. I had done a lot of teaching on all sorts of different levels um, to join her um, for a class in memoir writing um, at the jail. And so we did that for several years. And we only stopped because she was going to have a baby. <laughs> and then it was COVID. So um, we, we weren't able to continue. But it was the most wonderful experience in that um, once we got into the class and, you know, started work telling telling our stories, both our stories and, and the students telling theirs, it was just like being in any other class that I've ever taught. Um, I've taught college, you know, on the college level, and I've taught um, older adults. So we all have our own stories, and um, it was just a terrific experience. We would, we ran, you know, the the um, the people in the jail are are waiting trial, um, and they're separated men and women. So we would run a women's course, um, usually eight weeks, six to eight weeks, and then we would do a men's course. So we were alternating. And then at the end, we created a little um, zine for them of their story, the stories that they chose, um, you know, to work on. Hmm. It takes a lot of courage, I think, if you're sitting there in a prison to be willing to share your stories. That's pretty impressive. That shows that you built a huge world of respect and trust with them. It's fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you. It was very interesting what um, the people, the students chose to write about. Some of them, you know, wanted to really tell, you know, the dark side of their lives and what had landed them there in jail. Um, and then others would want to write about an earlier memory, like their grandmother's kitchen or a happy memory of a day at the beach or something like that. So it's, it's interesting what stories well up when, we, um, when we're ready to write and tell, tell them. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about Messenger. Well, I'd love to. We are listening. Tell us about the novel. Tell us about Messenger. Well, Messenger tells the story of 20-something journalist Alana Peterson, 
who's convinced she's found her big break when she meets Messenger, a mysterious old woman who is giving life-changing messages to seemingly random people all over New York City. Um, Alana decides to investigate to see who is this woman? Is she a crazy homeless person? Is she a shaman, an angel, the prophet planet needs to save it? Um, she channels these messages and seems to know exactly whom to deliver them to. Um, and it's the, it's not particularly the content of the message, but the timing that seems the most significant. Um, and creates a clinamen, the slight swerve that changes everything. Um, and it can change a life, a city, the world. Um, so this is the story of Alana and Messenger. And um, through a series of decisions that Alana makes, she sort of bends the trajectory of the novel or the story um, with some disastrous results, but then in the end, she discovers what this journey with Messenger has really been all about. Hmm. Sounds like a great read. Did you say Klinemann? Klinemann. That is the word that Messenger uses to describe this huge shift that she senses is coming and that we are all responsible for um, a slight swerve that's going to change everything, the trajectory of um, all humankind, all consciousness. Um, and she realizes that because of the connection between all of us, that is what's going to create it. But it, it mm. doesn't have to be something big. It's going to be a very slight change, but it will be enough to tip the scale to, to bring about this change. Mm. It's a bit mysterious, and Messenger doesn't completely understand it, mm. but she knows that this is, is her task and her post it's... to deliver these messages until this time comes. And it's great. I mean, and if, course we were speaking a little bit before the show off air but this is part of what the i am approach is all about small changes can have big effects you control no one you influence everyone so that's pretty cool that you got a novel and, and this was a podcast first right well let me tell you it's it's got of, of interesting history it was a novel actually the no i wrote the novel first okay and then um, we were shopping it. My agent and I were shopping the book. Um, we weren't getting any bites. And then COVID happened. Mm. And I awoke the day of my birthday um, in 2020 just knowing that I needed to get this story out somehow. And it wasn't going to happen through the normal route. Um, so I had, um, some advisors who said, first, I thought I would release it as a blog. I had the idea of doing it episodically, sort of like they used to do the old 
periodicals, you know, when Dickens was writing and some of the other um, 19th century writers that, you know, they would come out with a chapter a week or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But then some of my advisors said, you know, because of COVID, everyone is working online. Their eyes are fried by the end of the day. What about a podcast? Because as you know, Dr. Joe, podcasts are very popular. So um, we put it together really quickly. And so it's actually the novel told in 16 episodes. Um, so then once the podcast was created, that was in, um, you know, it came out in early summer of 2020 and ended up about this time last year, um, 16 weeks. Then I was able to get a publisher for the, you know, the print version of the novel. And many people said they enjoyed the podcast, but they said, you know, I really want to be able to read this. I, I can absorb it better um, in written form. And so it happened. And so on October 19th, this novel was published. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. This past October 19th? Like a couple, like what, last week? Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations. That's fantastic. What a creative way to get your message out there. And I love the no way I'm not going to get this message out there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in the position of sitting back and letting COVID happen. I'm going to get this message out there. And what a, what a really cool way to get it out there and what a uh, selfless way to get it out there too was there any fears that oh i'm going to give this away and and then i'm not going to be able to sell the book because i'm just giving it all away no that's exactly what i wanted to do cool i wanted it to be given to every person who would possibly want to read it um and gain something from it um so that was my intention from the very beginning I love that. Yeah, it's 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 a novel idea. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist. Um, <laughs> thank you, Liz. So where can that podcast be found? Everywhere? Anywhere you wherever you like to get your podcasts. Um, if you search Messenger a novel. Got it. The actual complete title is Messenger, a Novel in 16 Episodes. So did you read it? No. I had um, a friend who is a wonderful vocal artist named Rachel Pater um, narrated it. We had um, a musician create... Uh, Messenger is told in multiple narrative forms, so you have... Um, first person, you have third person, you have the different characters' voices, you have people sending in posts, um, describing, receiving the message from Messenger and what their message was. Hmm. Um, you have Messenger's composition book, you have Alana's journal. Um, so we had a musician create music for each of those different narrative forms. So we had original music, and it was really, really, they did such a great job um, of, of, and then we had um, it recorded at a recording studio here in Richmond. 
So um, that is how the podcast came to be. And each episode is in very consumable bites of 34, 38 minutes. And Dr. Joe, as you know, I love Spotify. Spotify is my audible uh, consumption okay. of choice. And I'm looking right here, and it popped right oh, up. Good. Messenger, a good. novel good. in 16 episodes, Elizabeth Keller and Whitehurst. Thank I'm gonna, you. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, we're booking You can it. also find it on my website, LizKellerWhitehurst.com. We just loaded the, all of the podcasts, if that's easier for people, you know, different people like to some people prefer to just be on their computer so that's another possibility hmm. that you can just um get get it there so we've had over five thousand downloads and we've got people listening all over the world um in 15 different countries it's fun we get the you know the statistics and people in the uk australia new zealand um the Philippines, um, Brazil. Um, I love thinking of that. It's just such a wonderful idea as well that that there's somebody giving these messages. So I got a, a quick question, Liz. How did you come up with the idea? Can we go back in time a little bit? Where where the inspiration come from? Well, this story actually started in 2013. And um, I needed a message. I was going through a really difficult period of my life. My daughter was very sick, and we didn't know what, we couldn't find any, any doctors who could help us or figure out what was causing her physical symptoms. So she was in college in New York City, and um, it, so she needed my help. So I went up there and was living up there for a time as we were taking her to see doctors up there. And while she, because she was in college, so she would, was well enough to go to class. So while she was in class, I would just walk the streets of the city um, and just stare into people's faces and look at them, just really, really needing a message, the answer to this terrible problem for our family, for my daughter and our family. And I would just look in people's faces and wonder, you know, are you wishing for a message too? Are you are you desperately looking for um, for an answer? Um, and so I wish there was someone like Messenger who could hand me a dirty piece of paper with the answer written on it that, you know, the life-changing message that I needed at the time. Um, and so that's how Messenger really got started. And I was just, you know, passing time and um, being a writer, um, just was observing everything around me. And so just started sketching some of the things I was seeing, the people and scenes and the sights and the sounds of the city. Um, not knowing I was writing a book. So the happy news is everything turned out fine. We found a brilliant young doctor who was able to diagnose what was going on with her, and she graduated from college, and she's a happy, almost 30-year-old who's going to get married next year. Awesome. So everything mm -hmm. turned out fine, but Messenger was born 
um, out of that experience. And actually, all the descriptions, not not particularly the the main characters, but as Messenger and Alana do a lot of walking and talking through the streets of this city, and it's it's basically the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Um, Ever, all the descriptions of the people that they see in the scenes were actual people in scenes that I saw during that time period. Hmm. So the messenger delivers a piece of paper that answers yes. what the person is searching for? Well, it, yes, it's giving it gives them the message that they need at the time that they need it. So it's almost touched by an angel type. Um, Sort of, yeah. It's it's not always a happy message, Uh, (laughs) Um, but it's the message the person needs. And then the main character interferes. Well, she, she discovers messengers doing this. And she fig- she's a journalist, and she wants to. She just really is very ambitious, and she sees this as her big break. You know what is you know people are sending her um, posts telling of these experiences that they've had, and she's like she's thinking, well, you know this could be a book. This could just be it. So um, she gets to know Messenger, and um, she tries to discover um, how she does it, why she does it, um, as much information about Messenger herself as she can get, which is not much, because Messenger is very mysterious. Um, So she thinks this is going to be it. She thinks that that's what it's about, but meanwhile, the reader knows that more is going on beneath the surface than um, Alana realizes. Mm. And she does not find out till the very end what's actually um, the you know the purpose of their journey together. Hmm. It sounds like a, a great read. Can you, without giving away too much, just give us like one of the messages? Um, well, sure, because all the, the, um, in the post, each of the message that the the person tells the message that they, um, you know, that they receive. So, so the reader gets to, to hear all the messages and, um, Alana says, and the reader might think, um, well, that's not so, um, impressive, but it's again the timing in the person's life. Mm. Like one person um, gets a message, um, "You're wasting your life." Mm. Um, one person gets the message, um, "You've got this," and the reason that it means so much to her is that that's what her mother used to always tell her her mother who who has died used to always say when she was going through a hard time um another person gets a message um who's you know very discouraged um and in a very very bad situation um suicide is not an option Mm. 
Hmm. So it's they're very, very different, and each of the the people who post have very different life experiences and challenges. But the thing that ties them all together is that they've received this mysterious message at the exact time that they need, needed it. That they needed it. And they might not have been aware at the moment that they got it. Or were they? Did they get well, it Well, right I think that would, you know, that it was remarkable because, you know, a stranger just comes up and hands them a piece of paper. And oh. Messenger just doesn't, she doesn't talk talk very rarely does she speak to the person she just hands it to them and goes Hmm. and her job is done um some people don't even read their messages some throw them away Mm. Uh, some don't have courage to read them it's great it's great i the the story that comes to my mind personal story is not recognizing a message as well so I'll, I'll share it real quick. So when when I was um, in medical school and applying for my residencies, I chose this one place, Institute of Living, Yukon. They had great adult psychiatry and great adult psychopharmacology. It was, it was the stepping stone becoming a child psychiatrist. But when I got the contract letter, because it, it's called a match, you pick the school that you want to mm-hmm. go to, and then the schools decide to pick as well and and if you pick the first choice and they get the first choice it's a match you're in and it is sacrosanct you cannot refuse to go there it's a deal mm-hmm. so when i got the contract it was for fourteen thousand dollars a year that's what that's what the, you know as a as a resident i was going to get paid but they had told me it was sixteen thousand a year and mm-hmm. i was a little annoyed about it i already had one kid my wife was pregnant with the next kid anyway had to go it's a match when our second child was born there were a lot of complications he's fine now my wife was fine but at the end of this I had to go to the um, you know the place where you you pay the money and uh, I told them you know I'm gonna need to to pay this off because it was like you know forty thousand dollar bill or more and they said, well, tell us the family size, the income you've got, and we'll see what happens. So I tell them all that stuff. They go away. They do their calculation. They come back, and they say, well, you know, you qualify for free care. And then they said, but if you had earned $2,000 more. Wow. So, you know, that was the message. Take the 14000 wow. And So so I, I I very much relate to this on a personal level because I think that we may all be getting messages at some point if we can just recognize them and understand them and then you know turn them into something good, turn them into something good. you know we have two bonus episodes on the podcast of real life messages hmm. that people have received that they sh- that our listeners shared with us. Um, so they are actual messages that people received that were life-changing, like the one you just told. Um, so that's fun, too, on the podcast. That's wonderful. And this this is your debut novel? Are you writing more? Where, where are you at with your career? Well, I... Um, I have been writing all my life, and this is not 
the first novel I've written. This is the first novel that has been published. <laughs> um, I'm a published short story writer, but um, this is just a life dream for me, um, and it's coming true, and that's really very exciting. Um, I've been asked by a lot of people, is there going to be a sequel? Because the book ends, I mean, it could go either way. It 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 leaves some some um, issues unresolved. So it it is possible that there could be a sequel. We shall see. We'll see what Messenger wants. We shall sequel. Is it possible that? It, <laughs> is it possible that it could just go on in perpetuity? Why not? Well, you know. It it has a life of its own, put it that way, yeah. and um, I'm just trying to serve it as best I can. Mm, that's great. But I do love the characters as a as a writer. I, I've loved these characters very much, and I would love to spend some more time in Messenger's world with them. You know, it it sounds like you've hit on a theme that really is limitless because there are messages for everyone everywhere. Um, it's a great idea. So what can we go back to the idea of Klinemann? Can you just tell us a bit more about that? It sounds fascinating. I got the idea of the word. It's actually a literary term. Um, I'm an English major. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> And um, it's, a, it's a term used in poetry, although it, it can mean a lot of different things. It's, it's with also, I mean, it's a very ancient word. It was used by the Greeks to describe atoms. But in other words, it's, it's a swerve or a shift or a change that therefore, after that point, everything swerves. In other words, it goes in a different direction. The arc or the um, trajectory has been changed of everything. Um, and Messenger says it's not going to have to be. Now, this is a very mysterious concept. And again, as I said, she doesn't totally understand it. But from what she understands, she says it can be something very small. It can be saying thank you to someone. It can be holding the door for someone. Um, it can be wearing a particular color. Um, it, it can be something very, very small, but that that final act is what's going to create the Klinemann or the shift. And so um, she says we all have to do our part, and that this is how she, this is the post she's been given to hold in trying to create this Klinemann. It's so interesting because it really does relate to the I am approach. She goes, you know, remember, the I am is saying we're all doing the best we can, but with the potential to change in the very next second to another best we can, another I am. This is who I am. I matter. This is me. Influenced by these four domains of your home, the social domain, the biological domain of your brain and body, and what I call the I see, how I see myself, how I think other people see me. And so... I'm just 
wondering about this idea of Klinemann and how it might apply to the I am approach. I know it's it's relatively new for you, Liz, but do you think there's an application here? I think there totally is because um, wouldn't you agree that any change in any of those four quadrants will change all of them? That's exactly right. A small change can have a big effect throughout the whole system. Absolutely. And then a change, let's take this, um, that's on the micro level or the individual level. Let's take it to the collective level. Mm -hmm. Um, Any change in an individual is going to change the web of connection to everything. I think sometimes it's called the butterfly effect. Right. Um, Yeah. So... It, it if it works, you know the part if it works for the whole, and so I I believe um, as Messenger does that. So in other words, any change or any Clinton um, that you can create in your own life is going to collectively help us all. Yes, that's that's absolutely the idea is that you control no one, you influence everyone, and you get to choose the kind of influence. One of the first things that I ask my adolescent patients to do when they turn 18 is to register to vote. I'm not telling them who to vote for, but I want them to vote because that small change can have an influence on people they will never meet. And it's a remarkable thing that we have here in this country. Not in every country, but we have it here. And and I agree. That small change of holding a door open, saying thank you, showing someone respect, which allows them to feel valuable and then allows them to trust. And that's really what the I am is all about, is saying respect leads to value and value leads to trust. And trust is that antidote to the anger, fear, sadness that we all can experience when we think we're seen with less value. And it sounds like in your novel, some of these messages that people are getting, they then have to come to terms with something, right? They have to use that message in a way, because as you said, some people just discard it. Absolutely, yes. And of course, we all have it, the, that choice, um, how we, we will react and respond. Yeah. Is there a moment in your life where you had one of those messages other than the one that you told me about with your daughter? Well, um, I, I don't mean to pry Liz, but it is. No, the Dr. That's Joe a, show. I have, I have one that kind of relates to the book. Okay. Um, interesting. I worked with a, a, a writing teacher, um, on this book idea. Um, and, it was interesting. She didn't really like the idea and was sort of resisting me. And um, it was a workshop situation. So I had to bring, you know, some work that I'd done to work with other writers. Um, so I, I sort of insisted I wanted to work on this. This was, you know, very early on um, when I was first working on the novel. And so we had a one-on-one, and I was expecting her to just kind of blast me out of the water. 
But she said, you know, I've had this experience of receiving a message. So um, that was sort of a, you know, hall of mirrors of messages because she was giving me the message and sort of the validation of the idea, even though she wasn't so sure it was going to work as a novel. Um, because a, t- a teacher had told her about some writing she had done, you're closer than you think. She had thought that she didn't have a piece, um, you know, a book that, that was in process. So um, that's sort of an interesting circle of messages. <laughs> yeah. But um, her being honest with me and revealing that she had received um, sort of a life-changing or work-changing message from an unexpected source. And then she was giving me a message because she was definitely an unexpected source for me that um, I don't know if she meant it to go this way or not, but it encouraged me to keep going and to keep working on this idea. It's a great story. I hope hope that our listeners can appreciate that, that there are these subtle messages that are right there and how you interpret them. You know, open your mind to the possibilities, right? Yeah. That they're actually messengers for Yeah. You. In the novel, Messenger says, you know, we're all messengers for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we are. We are all messages for each other. We give messages, and we, we if we're open, we can receive those messages. Hmm. Boy, there are some important messages out there right now, folks. You know, we're living in this world where we have an opportunity to really change things. We can outsmart anger. We can show respect. We can give each other that simple message that you're valuable. Don't underestimate yourself. Yeah. So we've got a few minutes left, Liz. As, as you know, the, the I am just generate these two truths. Because the four domains interconnect, a small change can have a big effect. We certainly have been talking about that tonight. But what small change can you recommend to our listening audience in in context of messages? Well, I would just encourage um, all of us to pause. That is one um, tool that has been probably the most effective in my life um, in recent years. And that is, I think, when you will both receive and know the message that you're to give, just to pause in any situation. Um, You always have the time to pause, um, to listen, uh, to other people and to listen to any message um, that maybe you're channeling for that person. Yeah, I like that. It it fits with one of our phrases here. It's much more important to be reflective than reflexive. Yes, pause, mm-hmm. listen, contemplate, consider, accept. keep it frontal, accept. Ooh, accept the message. Accept the message. Right. Pause and. Well, that's another good point, because as you said, and um, as we talked about earlier, not everybody accepts. In fact, one person in the novel um, very aggressively does not accept the message. 
that he's given. So that's a, that's a good point to, um, to make as well. And then the second truth of the I am, because everyone is interested in what you think or feel about them through their IC domain, and that has an effect on their biological domain because you know it feels differently if you feel you're being respected or disrespected. This means you control no one, you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. Liz, what kind of influence do you want to be? Well, I want, hopefully through my book, to inspire people to still have hope, to motivate them, um, and to um, comfort them, to keep them company. And I hope that my book will do all these things. That's wonderful. Liz Keller Whitehurst, how can we get a copy of the book? You can get the book wherever you order your book. Um, and also from Warren Publishing, um, go to my website, LizKellerWhitehurst.com, for that information. But anywhere you order your books, you'll find them. We'll do that. Thank you so much for being on the Dr. Joe Show. Folks, we will see you all here next week. Thank you, Liz. Thank you.